Hey there, and welcome. I'm your host, Regina Topolson, registered dietitian, plant-based foodie, amateur athlete, mom of teenage boys, and one lucky girl, cancer survivor, and host of the Life Well Lived podcast. Living through cancer seemed like the hard part until I had to learn how to live after. We all want to feel healthy and safe and know that our life has meaning and purpose. If you're a patient, survivor, or caretaker, this is the place to find hope and inspiration through life's great disruptor and learn to live more fully today. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to my personal trainer, Jason Butler. We're talking about all things fitness, why it's important to do fitness while you're going through treatments and beyond, how much you should be doing, how to find a good personal trainer, and right now, especially what you can do while we're all in quarantine, and the best that you can do is working out at home. I will tell you from experience that doing some kind of movement makes all the difference between feeling like you're at 80% and feeling like you're at 50%. So I hope that you get a lot out of this podcast, as I certainly did. Hey, Jason, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on, Regina. A little bit of my background. Uh, We focus on injury prevention and increased performance through sound exercise and nutrition practices. We work with a lot of acute pain, body compensations, postural deviations. Those are certainly in our wheelhouse. And that's allowed us to work with a variety of populations from weekend warriors to seniors wanting to stay healthy and even uh, special needs clients as well. So which which group do I fall into? Am I a weekend warrior? (laughs) Well, you came to me wanting to have some of that assistance to make sure that you're doing things right in order to be able to prep for your bike race. It's a process. And we did do a lot of work, I would say, um, kind of looking at some of the existing stuff you had. You know, we're very much about um, assessment and making sure that we cover all of our bases before we start adding additional stress to the system rather than um, exacerbating issues if we don't if we don't catch those things early. Well, and I had some very specific goals right. to what I wanted to accomplish. Tell me how you became a personal trainer. Well, let's see. So or why you, did you become a personal trainer? Sure. I kind of noticed early on that uh, sports, you know, I, I participated in football. I participated in track and field wrestling and stuff like that. And I began to notice that there was a lot of dysfunction in terms of uh, what we take a look at. And what we tend to kind of overlook, you know, especially uh, at a younger age, teenage years, you know, you're like, okay, you're bendy, you're, you're pliable, walk it off if you hurt yourself. And little do we realize that these have long lasting effects that, you know, especially into adulthood, why we have these nagging injuries from high school sports or college sports, for example. So really, I didn't have the background where fortunately, you know, I didn't, I wasn't hurt. I didn't have a major body transformation, but I've always had an interest in the health field in general, mm-hmm. and uh, I got my opportunity to be able to get into this field in 2009 when we were still kind of recovering from that recession. And yeah, I noticed that there is a, a very big need 
for the scope of work that I concentrate on. Oftentimes, a lot of trainers, because they have this sports-specific background, those are the kind of train, uh, trainees and the clients that they want to be uh, looking for and going after. And they completely ignore the needs of, say, people that are like, hey, how can I increase longevity? How can I increase overall functionality? And I just want to feel better. I want to get back to the things that I used to do without nagging pain or injury. So that's where I kind of got into this whole realm of what we call, you know, quote unquote, corrective exercise and functional training. You know, I've been able to use it to be able to help uh, numerous clients. I I just love my work. So I should mention, too, that you actually go into senior facilities and help seniors to stay healthy through movement as well. Yes, but so considering that my podcast and my listeners are either cancer patients or survivors or caretakers, let's talk a little bit about why it's important to exercise to keep cancer from recurring. Sure. Uh, so I think, and I'm sure you you know plenty about this, Regina, based off of your knowledge and your your own research on the subject as well, but. Um, you know, if we can do anything, say, for example, that controls inflammation, immune function, uh, DNA repair, and specifically, you know, when you're talking about um, hormone-based um, cancer situations, you know, that often result in, say, breast cancer and a variety of other things, uh, exercise has a direct effect on all of those things, you know, all of those aforementioned things. So while we think that kind of putting the body through stress on purpose, right, and breaking down uh, muscle and other tissues, which can create low-grade inflammation, your body actually has an effect. It's actually a cleansing effect. It's actually an effect where it balances uh, the whole system out from a homeostasis standpoint. And we see benefits in immune function, especially, you know, if we're, if we're active rather than just sitting on the couch all day. Now, in terms of looking at specific how much should I exercise, right? I mean, I think that's that's a big question that we do see in a lot of the research because we do see the correlation, but then people are wondering, okay, well, yeah, this is great for, say, controlling my weight, controlling glucose and cholesterol and stuff like that, but how much really should I be working out? And that really depends on the person, I think, right? I mean, certainly if, you know, you were to compare, let's just compare your um, physical activity to, say, the level of my own. The thresholds are completely different, right? And we, yeah. we do need to give that consideration that you know, prescribed exercise isn't a one-size-fits-all uh, proposition. <laughs> and, um, and that's the unfortunate thing sometimes we see out there is that, you know, do these specific things, follow this exact regimen, and you're good to go. And that's that's the downfall of kind of accepting the that those general instructions as okay this is exactly what i need to do rather than maybe conferring with um a professional um conferring with somebody that actually can take a look at you and your um pre-existing conditions and in your background to determine okay this level is probably acceptable for you because you know if we say you know there's always the case where we don't do enough but let's talk about the case where we do too much and how detrimental that is for the system. Now you're putting yourself in a in a situation where, you know, cortisol levels are especially high, right? And we all know 
you know, we talk about cortisol. That's, that seems to be the buzzword of the past year or two, right? You know, we want to control inflammation and inflammatory function. And we know that cortisol, while in nature is, you know, in balanced levels is beneficial to our bodies. We know that a over <laughs> overabundance of it certainly leads to a lot of a lot of other problems down the line. Right. And so I can only speak to my own experience with this. So before and my listeners probably know this too, that before I um, got diagnosed with my breast cancer, I was training for a half marathon and I didn't get to run that marathon, but I felt like at the time that maybe I had overdone it. And mm-hmm. on the backside, you know, after the diagnosis and after all the treatments and surgeries, um, I was afraid to exercise until my doctor actually told me that I kind of did as well as I did through the whole process because I was in good shape going into it. And so that was an eye-opener for me. And that is what kind of helped me move from just doing basic yoga and walking to not being afraid of doing more. And I will also say that when I started seeing you, I was concerned about my level of exercise and how much I'd be able to do because I felt like I lost a lot of muscle from having gone through all those treatments. Yeah, there's definitely things that a a patient going through treatment, um, you know, they have to think about, you know, how much energy do they have? Probably not a lot to do very strenuous kind of exercise. And then even as a survivor, depending how far out they are from their surgeries and treatments, how much energy they have. And what I think I've found from all my research is that it, it's really moderate exercise that you're looking to do when you're still in those early stages. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I would definitely say that's true. But if we are in the extreme ends of exercise, you're training for like an Ironman or something like that immediately after treatment. You know, are we are we certain that that would be the best case scenario for your body, given its ability to be able to recover, given its ability to be able to um, cope with the added stress? And I think we oftentimes um, feel like, okay, you know, this is this is going to be about me. And I've always wanted to do this. I don't care what it's going to take because guess what? You know, this is going to be my best life. And we forget that there, it doesn't mean that you can't get to that level. You know, we're certainly not saying that. We're not, we're not saying that just because, you know, you are a survivor and you went through treatment and, you know, you're, you're cleared to go that you would never be able to train at that level. There's, I mean, come on, there's, there's countless cases where, you know, obviously everybody was able to, uh, you know, train at a very elite level, but we're talking, allow yourself some grace, you know, in order to be able to acclimate to the level of activity. But at the same time, don't, don't be afraid to push yourself. I think we oftentimes get caught in that too. We're like, uh, you know, uh, am I, am I really okay to do this? Right. And again, you know, it, there, there are those different thresholds, like I spoke about before. So, Right. And it's also good to get checked out from your doctor and get the blessing 
of your doctor to, to start a new exercise routine. So if you are a survivor and you're going to start a new exercise routine, what are some things that you should know before you do so? It's funny that you mentioned that. And not funny, but I mean, it's it's interesting because it's it's very applicable to most people just starting exercise in general, regardless of their background, right? But I think specifically, you know, you first have to determine that this is all about you. This is one of the first few times, you know, in your life that you're like, okay, this program is going to be about me. So what I mean by that is that you're going to hear a lot of noise, you know, depending on what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. Um, what type of exercise you should be doing, you know, plenty of people out there that say, oh, you should only do yoga and avoid resistance, you know, tune all that out. Because if you're working with a professional that knows what they're doing, it is all about you. And so you have to accept that and acknowledge that because um, that's that's the first thing that's going to keep you going, especially if you're training for something specific. And that kind of leads me in my next one, having a purpose for the exercise in the first place. So a lot of us can kind of get caught in the trap where we're like, okay, I want to be healthy. I want to do this for wellness. I mean, I've certainly done it. And you find that you're just kind of walking on a hamster wheel. You're not really making any progress. And while it's good to be able to maintain a certain level of activity every day, um, just from, from a health standpoint, I think from the mental aspects and the mental benefits that you also get from exercise, um, that can make it drag if you aren't, you know, feeling like you're making any progress. So, and then we kind of go into the things that we talked about earlier, you know, how hard do you exercise? What's the frequency level of exercise? How many times are you doing it a week? You know, what's your regimen looking like? And um, we have to consider those things again. What is your threshold? And this is where, you know, another set of eyes can be very helpful. It doesn't mean that you have to work with me or work with another personal trainer right off the bat. But it certainly can kind of move the needle for you. So you kind of have an accurate view of, okay, I feel like that this is challenging enough for me, but it's not of detriment to me, if that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like that I did something productive. You know, I'm breathing a little bit harder. My heart rate's up. I'm sweating. But I don't feel like I'm just absolutely destroying myself in the process. And this is where we can fall into the trap of pre-made exercise programs out there. And I'm not going to name any specific ones, but I think all of us can think of at least, you know, one or two or 10 (laughs) that are out there right right now that um, will tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. And so the fourth one would be going in, you know, is it a challenge to you? And that's, and that's what we were kind of talking about at the end. So it has to be challenging enough to you. So you, feel like you can take it seriously because if it's not enough of a challenge one you're not going to take it seriously and two it's going to be very very easy to put off if you're just like eh, i'm not in the mood to do it you know but if you're like you know this is challenging and i know it's difficult and you think that that kind of sounds like backwards thinking because if something is too hard you're like uh, i don't really feel like doing that today but this is where and we i've had days this. like that <laughs> yeah yeah and this is where we get into the psychology of exercise you know again you know But if you know it's a challenge or if you have something to look towards, like, say, a bike race, right, that's what's going to be getting you out of bed. You're like, oh, I I better do this. Right. Versus if I don't have anything to look forward to, you're like, eh, I can I can skip it. I'll be good tomorrow. And then lastly, it's got to be fun. It's got to be fun to you. So whether it's the community that you're working with or the person that you're working with or the activity that you're doing, um, 
it, some aspect of it has got to be fun. So then, you know, it should be enjoyable, right? I mean, I think oftentimes we put this label on exercise that, oh, it's torturous. So I'm, you know, it, it's not supposed to be fun, even out in the media, right? You know, people, you know, try to portray themselves as, you know, if you're not, if you're not getting tortured while you're doing this, then it's not worth doing at all. That's one of the fallacies and one of the things that exist in the fitness community at large today. And, you know, one of my goals is really to see emphasis placed on client care rather than um, trying to go out there and all these fitness professionals trying to show each other up because they have a harder program. And it's like a badge of honor if you come out of there injured and limping and that that just does not put client care first. Well, yeah. And as a survivor and someone who's gone through surgeries of any kind, really, you have to be able to make adjustments to whatever you're doing. So that means whether you are making adjustments to your yoga routine or whatever it is that you're doing, you have to you have to know you know, what you're, what you're capable, what your body is capable of doing, right? So if you've had knee mm -hmm. surgery, you have to know that your knees are not going to be able to do certain things when you're working out. And the same with if you've had reconstruction, you know, you have, you know, you may have gone through physical therapy for that, which I also did. Um, but you, you also have to know that like certain moves in yoga, you know, you're going to have to make adjustments to, mm -hmm. to do your routine. And the same with any kind of exercise routine. Now, you did mention yeah. something else that I want to kind of explore a little bit more. And that is, sure. how does someone know if they are picking a quality trainer to work with? How does some, what's the criteria or what are some questions that they can ask themselves or their trainer to make sure that they're making a good decision? Well, I think, uh, first of all, you know, the trainer has to be able to uh, take them through, you know, be able to accurately show them the process that they're going to be going through. I think oftentimes, one, I mean, Unfortunately, I think at large, the general public is not very educated um, in terms of how this process should look, because when we think of exercise from a general statement, we're like, okay, you know, yeah, lift some weights. Yeah, uh, do some cardio. Yeah, do some stretching. Right. And clearly a lot more than that. So if you're picking a professional to be able to work with, they should have a specific process that they can explain to you in clear terms that makes sense. And you feel like that, okay, this is going to go beyond just simply giving me exercises and then sending me home, right? I think they should take your entire um, lifestyle, your entire, uh, your preferences, everything into consideration if they're building a program for you, rather than you simply having to follow exactly what they do. There should be a process. So for example, what we do when we, you know, walk a client uh, through their initial um, sit down in their process is that, you know, we have a full assessment. We take a look at uh, postural deviations before we even get you moving because we figure when you're standing there, that's, you know, much less stress than when you're moving around, right? And if you exhibit any kind of postural deviation from standing there, imagine when we start adding resistance and other complicated movements, just how much those issues could exacerbate. And then we go in through a movement quality assessment where we take a look at not just form, but we take a look at, okay, 
should it, are these basic movement patterns right for the individual? So if you have problems like, for example, squatting, it not only helps us identify muscle imbalances, but if you can't do a normal squat, then what's the point of putting you through an exercise program that involves those or more advanced versions of those when really we should be regressing that exercise a little bit until your body has a handle on on doing some of those basic exercises. So that would be that would be kind of the major things to look for. It's just like going into, say, a chiropractor's office, right? And they, you know, the biggest difference between, say, chiropractor A and chiropractor B is that chiropractor A wants to immediately just put you on the table and start adjusting you. Whereas chiropractor B, you know, wants to take you through an assessment, wants to look at, say, you know, x-rays would probably be beneficial of your spine before we start manipulating and touching things, right? Mm -hmm. And without that education and, you know, it's not like this stuff is easy to find nor, you know, is it told to us um, out in the public. Um, it, it's very difficult for the, you know, anybody to make a decision on somebody, um, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, their exercise routine or what they should be expecting. I mean, sure, you should like the person, but you, they should also demonstrate a level of expertise that, you know, that's why you're going and seeing that person in the first place. Well, that's what I liked about you is that I knew before I even met you the first time that you are an exercise physiologist, not just a personal trainer. And so I thought that that elevated your level of expertise in terms of knowing how the body works and how the body moves. And the first conversation that we had very much put me at ease. And so I thought, okay, this is something that could potentially work. I'm just I'm just a smooth talker. So uh, <laughs> no. you are. <laughs> okay. Well, one final question. Um, sure. In the time of quarantine, what yeah. can people do um, to keep up their level of flexibility and their maybe their even level of stamina um, working out from home? So one of the things, for example, that um, we've been doing, what Body Works has been doing, is we've been releasing live videos to show people, one, we know that we have really no access to any gyms, and it's hard enough even getting your hands on equipment. Just go to an online retailer of any kind, and you'll see that either A, they're out of stock, or B, shipping might not happen for another month. So what do you right. do when you don't have equipment? And what we want to show everybody is that your body is plenty resistance, you know. So what we've been coming out with specifically are body weight routines and exercises that you can do at home. And the nice thing is that while it's not the same as being face-to-face, uh, -face, people can still ask questions and have access to us. And I'm sure there's plenty of other fitness professionals out there that are doing the same thing. But definitely look for those sources of exercise routines, especially if they go into a little bit more detail about how you perform them, how you can make them easier. Say, for example, if a full push-up on your toes just isn't good for you, what modifications can you make? And is it okay if I use a countertop versus doing it on the floor? Pick somebody that you can at least have a little bit of access to during this time and then you know, make sure that you're doing things safely and effectively during your time without without these weights, but certainly like you mentioned too, I mean, stretching and mobility in general is also going to be very, very helpful. I mean, I, I come, I operate from the standpoint that I certainly am not 
the all knowing one stop shop where, you know, I, I have every answer to your question. I mean, I certainly know a lot of things, but I don't I, I don't know everything. And I collaborate with a variety of professionals because one, it better serves the clients that I get to work with. And two, the clients get to meet yet another quality professional that can also give them an extensive amount of knowledge, way more than I ever could. I, I really depend and lean on the people I collaborate with. Uh, when it comes to uh, client care, really seek out those options. You know, there's plenty of options out there right now because one, trainers can't work out of facilities right now. So you can, you'll probably start seeing if you haven't already, everybody graduating to online. And I really say use a word of caution too when when you're looking at who to who to be able to listen to. Again, it doesn't have to be me. It just you know find somebody that really uh, draws you in. There's plenty of content out there that you shouldn't have to pay for right now. Hopefully in the meantime, you know, you can concentrate on getting a good workout and then you'll have access to good communities of like-minded people that you can collaborate with. I mean, we have to look at this as a time where, yes, we're separated from each other, but it, it really is an opportunity to get closer in a lot of ways and talk to people that you would have otherwise never would have even come across. You can search me out on Facebook, you know, under Bodyworks, and then the challenge is called the Bodyworks 100-Day Challenge. The focus is definitely on education, really helping people out there in the group, and, you know, really building a community. And you and I talked about this a lot, too, before you even started the 100-Day Challenge in the sense <laughs> that, you know, the average person out there doesn't have to do all of the exercises to the degree and intensity level that you are doing them that makes it really accessible to anyone who wants to participate on any level. Yes. Yes. And thank you for letting my listeners know uh, where they can find you. So I will put a link to all of that in the show notes. And I thank you for being on the podcast today. No, thank you so much, Regina. I mean, I, I value you and I value all the, all the different things that you're doing in terms of, you know, you building your community and helping other people out that have had a similar experience as you. And, you know, I think you're awesome and really, really strong and a great example for, you know, everybody out there. So keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. Wow. This podcast was jam packed with information. I hope you learned about how to work with professional trainers, what questions to ask them to make sure that it's a right fit to work with you, and how they can be part of your team to help you get back to health. And I hope that you saw that it is possible to get back to doing professional events if that's what's in your horizon, and if that's what you want to do. And that you don't have to limit yourself because of your diagnosis. I hope you've laughed. I hope you've learned. I send you healing strength and I'm grateful for you. You've been listening to the Life Well Lived podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share it with your friends so they can benefit too. Check out the show notes so you can connect with me on social media. Peace and love. Until next time.